streaming live around the world, this is Paper Cuts with Brad and Jay. I'm the one you love. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for stopping by. Over there's Brad. It's his show. It's his show. That's why I'm the host, and we just love Jay. Now you know it's all natural. I mean, you know, nothing's rehearsed, right? No, absolutely nothing is rehearsed on this show. God, you just suck the life out of you. It just feels like <laughs> you've got you've got a lot grayer since we started this. I I'm have. Honest. I know. I have. Welcome to the program. I don't call me AI. Jane. We are live. And welcome back. Yeah, brand new episode of Paper Cuts. And we're starting things off because I was just uh, informed. I, I said our guest's name incorrectly in the intro. So I mean, nice to the show. And really, you've already messed the, up. The, 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 this new show, this new episode, because we took some time off, Brad. Did we not take some time off? I didn't realize like, we took time off. three weeks. Off, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did, right? And then, you know, come back with a huge show tonight. And I've already flubbed up. You flubbed it up, man. Yeah, yeah. Little side note before we get too far into this. I hope everyone grabbed their the latest edition of the Sirens Call Easing. Why is that, Jay? That dropped late yesterday. Most people saw it drop today, uh, the summer edition. Uh Brad and I are in there. Feature project. How cool is that? There's a nice five-page paper cut <laughs> spread that uh, you know, I wrote an essay, Brad wrote an essay. We had Morgan Freeman, right? Yeah, Morgan Freeman wrote an essay for us. Um, but let me tell you guys about this experience. We were talking off air about procrastinating and how Brad does <laughs> that. Like, I had to stay on him every day. Hey, do you have your part done yet? I have an editor. Do you have your part done yet? But my editor needs to read it every day. How long did it take you, Brad? We had like two or three months to put this thing together. It took you. No, it wasn't that long, was it? Yeah, you, it took you all. I gave it to months. you a couple of days before the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so my editor was sweating, trying to get it done in, in time. That's what it was. All hey, right, enough about us. We made it. We pick, made pick it. Up, pick up the latest easing, the Sirens Call easing. Uh, just a nice uh, feature uh, about us because you know, we deserve it. <laughs> okay. No one cares about us. No one cares about okay. us. All right. Let's talk about tonight, our guests. tonight we're going to uh talk about auctioning off houses that bring back the dead, and we're gonna talk about AI. That's an odd mixture, right? It is. Welcome to the show. I've already messed her name up in the intro. <laughs> I totally apologize. Hi Jung. Please, please come Hi back. Jung. There you go. I, I I'm horrible with, with names and i couldn't and say katriona ward's name and, and she told me one second before i tried to pronounce it and i still messed it up so oh no yeah. Yeah. i just butchered her name so i felt so bad well yeah. she tried to tell us two on the air too and i don't think either yeah, one of us could I do it the way she was she's putting a certain emphasis on a certain part and i just couldn't, mm -hmm. yeah my brain's so, not uh, smart enough to read I've, i just fake it i don't read anything i just make everything up yeah i don't don't hold it against us okay we're two dope microphones so don't hold it against us <laughs> No, I mean, no. this is your second time here, and we're just honored that you decided to come back, really. Yeah, usually, we scare people away the first time, yeah. so oh, anybody no. who comes back for a second time, we're honored. <laughs> I mean, I'm just honored to be here, because if I recall, like, the first time I was here, I didn't really talk much, because I was, like, very camera shy. So and you like, were sharing with a lot like... of people, right? <laughs> you had to share time with, oh, yeah. with others. So Tiffany like, and Holly get... and Red and Michael. They all took all the airtime. We, we were like, we no. gotta get her back. To talk to I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm just <laughs> so welcome to our little shindig here. 
Uh, it seems like you have a lot of uh, stuff to talk about, a lot of uh, books. And, and how, by the way, how tired are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am surprisingly lucid for what it's worth. <laughs> how many hours of sleep have you gotten in the last two days? Uh, hmm. I don't know how much sleep I got the day before yesterday, <laughs> but this morning I got about like five, six hours from like 11 a.m. to like 5 p.m. So it's not, it's not too bad. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, it's usually more than what I get. So you're doing good. You're doing good. If you get slap happy, don't worry about it. We're used to it. So, so for those that don't know, why are you so exhausted? What have you been doing? <laughs> I... So I've had a novel deadline from like January, basically, that I've pushed back <laughs> till today. Wait, wait, wait. January? Really? Yeah, like, because <laughs> yeah. I I had a lot of stuff with like Ling Huen and stuff coming out and like the promo took a lot of time and Odyssey. So I was like, I, I there's just no way I was going to get it done until like five days ago. I was like, oh, my deadline is basically today. So I have to finish the whole novel. <laughs> Which was like I was like okay around like twenty k more words in the last four days, so that's that's basically what I've been doing. Really, wow. Yes. <laughs> was that how, was that how a do you get all those words in that short of time? That's that's just. I, <laughs> I feel like so like basically it was around four thousand on Monday and then two thousand on Tuesday, and then four thousand seven hundred on Wednesday, and then last night I worked. Well, yesterday I worked from like 3 p.m. to this morning, 11 a.m. Wow. 9,200 words because I was like, I only have a day left. <laughs> but I feel like doing it in a row really does help with momentum. Like you're used to mm -hmm. like pushing past, kind of like when you do jogging, right? You like get faster and faster times the more you do it. So it wasn't like, nearly as bad and i had just finished the chinese drama i was watching <laughs> that was distracting me so i didn't have that yesterday to like pull me away so what was it what did you use to help you stay up during this time nothing illegal right we could talk about you know you didn't use anything like red bull and stuff yeah no I actually can't do coffee or energy drinks and I don't like drink alcohol. So I kind of just like drink iced tea and pray for the best <laughs> and then occasionally watch like funny videos to wake myself up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know if I r say that many words in that short period of time. <laughs> you I, do. I yeah, you I, talk a lot. I can't okay. ever shut you up. Maybe, maybe, maybe I do, but I don't, I couldn't see <laughs> typing that many words in that short period of time. So is everything just blurring together by the end on the screen? I, I think so. I like, <laughs> I am a very chaotic writer. Like I'm not a very plotter or like outliner. So I had mm -hmm. a lot of notes, not in linear order, but dumped in like the sections I needed to write in. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked back at it, I was like, it was like 8 a.m. at this point. I was like, what is even going on in this document? <laughs> <laughs> Tears in your eyes. Oh my gosh, everything's just blint. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't usually swear, but I swore so much in my head <laughs> last night. <laughs> nice. nice. So this is something for the future that we're, we could expect. Um, we're living here in the now that you have a couple of pieces of work floating around out there, correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this was your first novel you finished? Your first one? 
basically yes unless you count like you know the serials i wrote in high school that like never really had an ending <laughs> oh going and going how, how many how many pieces do you have for those are they connected in high, all? uh in high school it was like three little romance things and it was okay. basically when i have never experienced romance and wanted to experience romance <laughs> wrote them. it's what you thought it was going to be like <laughs> um no yeah. <laughs> so what is what is your novel about? Can you say a little tease at all? Um, so I'll try like not to do too much of a spoiler, but it's like a mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic science fantasy novel that is okay. inspired by Chinese opera. So it's okay. like the society is built on um Chinese opera and that's a lot to digest. Mass. Okay. Post apocalyptic <laughs> Sci-fi, sci-fi, Chinese opera. That sounds fantasy. cool. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that sounds like that... busy. That that really sounds busy. <laughs> it it is and it isn't at the same time. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for you because I mean, you it was your brainchild. You you put it all together. For someone like me, I'm like, okay, I got to break this down into what the genres are <laughs> and how they blend together and interact with each other. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds super cool, though. Like, that sounds very unique. Not that I've ever heard of before. I'm excited for I, it. I want to say it's like, I'm trying to think what it would be a blend of. Maybe something like, mm, oh. What's something post-apocalyptic that like recently came out? I want to say like maybe Hunger Games-ish, but without the violence mixed with Avatar, because there's like cli-fi elements to it. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say when we get to it later on, uh, that Ling Wen reminded me of Hunger Games a little bit too. At some point. <laughs> yeah, because I, I started getting. I did. I got a little, uh, this may be totally off the wall. We could hop into that if you want to start with that first, but I got a, a feel of the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. I'm, that, so, that I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not totally, I didn't think, I, I never saw Hunger Games. So I don't know. <laughs> or read Hunger Games. So I don't know. You've never seen it? Jay, you no. need to watch some movies, man. What? No. But They're I, all I right. They're all right feel, movies. I got a feel for the lottery in, in Ling Wan. Did I say it right? Ling no. Wen. Okay. I'm, I'm, on, so, I'm, I'm horrible with me. are we going <laughs> no, back to the top of the show okay yeah we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit let's start out with <laughs> with your new novelette that just came out from what is it shortwave publishing who put yes. it out it's i am i i asked before show time i am i i a i a i a wow what's going on ai goodness gracious we could never <laughs> take a few weeks off again no we're we're rusty <laughs> wow but, I mean, technically, you can read the title backwards, so it does work. <laughs> Thanks for saving me there. That was horrible. <laughs> but I want to talk about the cover really quick, because a lot of times I feel like the covers just kind of get glossed over. And you had this nice long Twitter thread. You can read day. it backwards. Wow. I just now <laughs> Jay just did it. <laughs> I just now figured it out. Okay. All right. What is it called? What's it called when you can read it back? It's not an anagram. That's not right. What is it called when you can read something backwards and forwards? What like radar's the same backwards as it is as forwards? What is that called? I think it's like a palindrome. I think I'm saying that wrong, but palindrome, is that it? Yes. <laughs> okay. We work together. <laughs> and I just figured it out. So <laughs> Jason, I'm, I'm yes. at it. I got I have it written down. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> 
Was that on purpose that you did that, or was that a happy accident that it was the same backwards as forwards? It was. It was on purpose. Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about accidentally on purpose. I want to talk about the cover design because you sort of broke it down. You have all these different stages, and I want to share a few pictures because a lot of times we don't get to talk about the cover design too much like this. And you said you got to work on it with your mom, which is really cool as well. Yeah. So when I like first placed the novelette um, at shortwave, Alan had sent in the the picture on the left. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, I read the novelette and I think like something like this would be great. And then because they usually like do their own design and I feel like with small presses, they're much more flexible with like mm -hmm. what you can do with the cover compared to like bigger publishers. So I was like, oh, well, like my mom's an artist. Why don't we get her to do something? Um yeah, so then the one on the right was like the initial sketch she came up with after I sent her like a bunch of cyberpunk um, reference pictures because she's never done cyberpunk before. She mostly does like uh, landscape paintings or like very realistic human portraits. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is it supposed to be you? Is that or is it just a just a random person? It's not supposed to be me. It's like a mix of different random people that we found reference pictures for. And my mom kind of just like mishmashed them together with me when she mm -hmm. was like drawing the pictures. So she was like, oh, I like this person's nose. So I'm going to put the nose here and okay. then, yeah, like model the nose after this person or the eyes after that person. So then she came up with the one on the left. And I thought it was like not gritty enough because like cyberpunk you usually have like you know the very dark tone dystopian tones so mm -hmm. then she like ended up darkening it to the picture on the right how does she draw these were like freehand drawings or is this like a computer program where she's drawing these or so she did everything on canvas so she drew it out on paper first and okay. then mm -hmm. she like redid it again on like a actual canvas like painting canvas and then she painted okay. it with watercolor yeah that's cool oh wow yeah, so she has the canvas at home right now, but we kind of like messed up the background because we were playing with it afterwards to make it more cyberpunk. <laughs> so like, yeah, so it would, so it has like the original person now, but the background is like muddled. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you said that it was like different pieces, so like the eyes of one person, the nose of somebody else, and that kind of falls in line with the story as well, with sort of the body modifications and stuff that's going on. That's kind of cool as well. Sort of an yeah. amalgamation of different people. Yeah, for sure. And I like yeah. all the highlights she did, sort of doing the cyberpunk, the, the robotic kind of style on it. Yeah, so for this one, she took a picture of the canvas because we were doing it kind of remotely. So she was doing it at, um, well, I'm at her house now, but I was at like uh, the house I share with my spouse. But mm -hmm. we were like going back and forth. So she took a picture of the canvas and passed it to me. And I did the robotic outlines in Procreate. Because okay. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about making them look like, you know, the neon, neon signs in Chinatown because we have that kind of setting in IMI. Um, mm -hmm. But then, as you can see on the left, it kind of got like very, very busy. And I was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> so I like changed it to one color. And then the gold, I was like, oh, it kind of looks like too superhero-y. So then, okay. yeah. But how, also did you, how did you of... choose though? Because I, I like them all. Like I... I really dig that kind of art style. So I, I, I bet it was hard to choose like which one to kind of, you know, stick with. Um, what do you mean? Like which art style, like the cover? I mean, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just looking at like what's, what we're seeing right now. I mean, I, I just like the, oh. 
the how color all of them and stuff. Stick out. Yeah, the color palette and, and uh, you know, how the neck's a little different and it's got the shading and all that stuff. Like, so for this one, um, I think the original one Alan had sent me, my publisher, was the one, um, it's like the third one on the top row. And mm-hmm. then I thought it maybe looked too like space opera-y in a way, you know, like Martian or out of space kind of um, vibe. So mm-hmm. then I like put it through like filtering programs to play around with the different colors just to see like what it would look like um, if we had something else. And then this is the final one on the right, on the left, right? Yes. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was looking at the cover from before, and I was like, it looks very like a pulp science fiction type of thing. But I wanted mm-hmm. to give it a little more like futuristic um, kind of look or like modern kind of look. And I really liked how he did the repeating fonts in the very first iteration yeah. of the mock-up. So uh-huh. I played around with like, um, the different uh, like where the IMIs are on the side and Alan took it and kind of like revamped it to be what it is on the screen now along with the color adjustment and so like, it looks more uh, cyberpunk I like the um, the glitch effect I don't know if people can tell like it's kind of glitching through there and stuff as well yeah it you can see really a little cool. through the hair the streaks in the hair there you can see on the left mm-hmm. yeah. I like yeah. the her eye almost looks like a cybernetic eye with the the, the blue underneath of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was also added in through um, the Procreate. Yeah. Or Paint. Or whatever app it was <laughs> called. One of those apps. I just know I I just know it was on my iPad and I used it. <laughs> but but your your mom's got her. the original your mom's got the original canvases that she put them on still? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I probably find it at some point, but I will have to go look around her art room. So, what was that process like getting to work so closely with your mom on a project for this? Is that cool? I think it was. Or was it? Yeah. Was there a lot of? Was there any fighting? Like, oh, I like this. No, I like this better. Or is it pretty smooth? I think it was pretty smooth because she knew it was like for something I'd written kind of thing, and I would mm-hmm. like understand the themes and stuff a little more than she does because. Like, even if she reads the thing, as I was telling you, because of the language barrier, it's a little hard for her to, like, completely understand uh, Mm -hmm. the story. So I usually just kind of, like, break it down to a really brief synopsis and try to explain it to her in Chinese when we were working on it. But we Mm -hmm. did go through, like, I didn't put it on, but we did go through quite a few different sketches to get to what we had um, now because she wasn't, like... She couldn't understand like what exactly like cyberpunk we were looking for. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but I think the result came out really well. So I'm very excited. That's I got a cool to work with cover. her on it. Yeah. Has she called for all of your next books to do your cover? <laughs> do all your covers? <laughs> well, she said that like if she has the opportunity, she would do it kind of thing. But then it really depends, right, on how like flexible I mean, marketing You see how much are, you've lucked so. out, right? I mean, a lot of people will write, write a book and they're like, now I got to find a cover artist. You've lucked out because you're, you have your mom. So every book you write, <laughs> she's able to do all that stuff for you now. So. And she does it for free, right? No, no charge for the cover art. <laughs> She, does she yeah, get credit she, in the book? So that's yes, all. of course she gets credit. Well, no, I take her out for many dinners. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So not free at all. 
Do you buy I the mean, supplies for her, the art supplies and everything? It's like, here, yeah. do your thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I tried to offer her payment. She was like, no, I'm your mom. And I was like, I know, but you <laughs> did the work. And she was like, just buy me some food. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I would happily take food as payment any day of the week. <laughs> now, you know what's going to happen. Next time you go over to her house, she's going to have a bunch of different things set for you. Like, write a write a story about this painting and write a story <laughs> about this painting have everything pre-made for you <laughs> actually she does the opposite it was really funny because when i was working with like poetry and short stories mostly she would sometimes ask me like what i had most recently published and she'll do like little paintings or drawings inspired by them which is really cute that's cool and yeah I, I think we said this off air but i remember you posted it's been a while now that your mom created a goodreads account just so she could rate and review your books which is really cool i love it when authors come on and they talk about how supportive their family is their spouse or their parents or their friends or whatever i always think that's really cool it's really funny because at first both my mom and dad they were like oh just treat it as a hobby you know you can't make money from this thing kind of thing but then now they're like super supportive they're like when is the next book coming out yeah. is it gonna be made into a movie yeah. <laughs> what is going on the confidence and has totally changed for you they're like why are you procrastinating for the last minute to do twenty thousand words <laughs> no actually though. and then my spouse and my um my dad is really funny because they'll like recommend the books to their friends and stuff, right? And they'll come back to me. They're like, who stole the most books? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a competition between them now. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Set up a little fundraiser now. Whichever one of you sold, sells the most of my books, you get free dinner. Dinner know? on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when did, you, uh, when did you write this one? Because it's very topical for now. Did you write it? Was it been a while ago or is it more recent you wrote it or? So it's funny because I wrote it like last November before the whole boom with all the uh -huh. AI stuff. So, but then I knew it had to come out like earlier rather than later instead of mm -hmm. like pushing it back to next year or something like that and spreading out the releases. But then, sorry, as it was like approaching release and all the AI stuff happened, I was like, oh my God. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like you perfectly timed it almost. I mean, yes and no in the sense that, like, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, are people going to think I wrote this with AI because of the name? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the whole thing with um, Twitter and people muting the word um, AI and then one of my mutuals, they were like, oh, yeah, like, all your tweets disappeared from my timeline. Because oh, they muted your name. Yeah. And then I had to put my first and last name together. And then they came back and they were like, oh, yeah, now I see your tweets. And I was like, no. Right. I remember you posted something recently saying, and I don't know if it was just you or you're asking opinions, but if you should change your name or whatever, I guess create maybe create a pen name or maybe change your Twitter handle or whatever. So people weren't, wouldn't think you were AI or using AI to write your books and stuff. Yeah, no, it was like, someone was like, asked me if that was a concern of mine. Um, mm -hmm. If I would like, not like they recommend me changing my name, but like they yeah. asked if I like, have ever considered it because of what's happening so far and then i was like no because it's my name and i don't want to like change my name not change your real name yeah but yeah but, but so I, here's a little here's a little bit of a, a controversial question and you don't have to answer it but uh do you think the community on twitter the horror community to writers do you think there's a little, a little bit of overreaction to the whole AI thing when it blew up? What was it, November, December, January, when people started like going crazy about it? Because AI actually has been around 
for quite some time. And like, I think I was confused on why or how people were blown up about it because people seemed like they were shocked with some of the stuff that was happening. We should have known this stuff was going to happen, you know, or maybe I'm just totally lost or I don't I think know. It was, I think it was because it became more readily available for just everybody to use sort of around that time. Cause it was a, I know there's, the chat GPT or whatever. And then there's the picture one. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. A lot of people were using it because they didn't really weren't thinking about it. They're like, Oh, this picture looks awesome. And then they realized yeah. it's stealing from all these other things to make what it's making. And that's right. And, and, and I, I get, I totally get that. But I, I saw a few comments here and there. It's just like AI's around us. Like wherever you look, AI's around us already, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was just, kind of i guess i was shocked at the um some of the reaction i guess i could say you know hopefully i didn't say too much to get canceled but that's just <laughs> i think it, for me i think it was more that it was dipping into like the creative world of yeah. creating paintings and hey i'm gonna type this one sentence prompt and it's gonna write me a novel for me i think it was more yeah i know like i'm totally than... against that but, but but you know it's like some of the still somebody reaction i mean some i I was doing a little research today about AI and like seeing how long it's been actually in existence. Like I, mm. I was just confused. I'm still confused about the whole thing. I mean, I'm old. All right. So the whole <laughs> technology thing, I'm like, what? So it's I, like the I, thing I, you I, talk I, about, you talk about buying a certain movie and then you get ads on your phone for that movie. Like that's yeah, AI doing yeah, that, but yeah. it's, it's not the creative part of it, I guess. I don't right. know. What are your thoughts on it? I, I feel throw you, like throw I you am... right in the fire. Just throw you in there. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I am not like educated enough in this field to make like very, very informed answers. But I do mm -hmm. think um, it is kind of like what Brad was saying on how it's like creeping into the creative field rather than, you know, the way we've used it before with like grammar programs or like, you know, algorithms that would like introduce you to certain things which people don't like either but right. <laughs> like mm -hmm. directed ads and whatnot um yeah. yeah so i think it's like the rise of ai and like the way it's like taking the works of others to create something new and kind of like replacing a lot of um human creators that's like making people angry mm -hmm. right. yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the big things with the the wga strike was they're wanting the ai to be taken out yeah and the uh, studios weren't willing to do that at least at this point and i totally get all of that and especially like what james is saying here because i'm you know, you know i'm a music guy and what he's saying you know how ai has been music music stuff like that i mean yeah i'm totally against it taking away away any originality or taking someone's original work and using a lot of permission but i guess what i'm looking at is uh it's always around us i mean we're using a computer right now that's ai is involved involved with the programmer, you know, so it's like not anything new. It's just, it, it seems like it took it like a new step. Yeah. I think you know, it's the it, way people started yeah, using it is what yeah, the, the way it start is starting to be used and, and everyone's reaction is valid. And I totally agree because it, it takes away some of that originality. It's just, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I think it's going to even go farther and, and deeper. And I'm just curious about the reactions in the future when it starts, you know, because it's taking over the world. We're doing all right. Thanks, guys, for staying up and by. I'll say this one. I'll say this one more thing real quick. I read something <laughs> recently where, where the ones that like to make the pictures and stuff, it's starting to cannibalize itself because now it's learning from other AI generated things and it's starting to degrade itself now. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. 
I haven't seen that. I guess I'll have to Google that up. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So the the, mar the market has been so saturated with AI images that it's now using those to create new images and start to degrade again. It's messing up. It's out. It was a certain term they use. I don't remember what it was. It's it's like you probably don't you probably can't figure out where it started now. You know, it's probably so deep, so many different la layers of it. It's, it's like it's messing up with the building blocks of it. I can't remember what term they use for it, but yeah. it's starting to degrade. But your novelette sort of was prophetic in a way because <laughs> what you talk about in the no in the uh, novelette's kind of what's going on with the the creative aspects of it. Uh, the main character in your book is posing as ai but they're you know doing it the human way so was that did you do a lot of research with ai and stuff to inform the novelette or was it just an idea you thought sounded cool or i feel like with the way i normally write i am not very like research or scientific heavy on it i am more mm -hmm. emotionally heavy and like philosophical musing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like using the backdrop of what I understand about AI and have like seen floating around and people's reaction to it and the way it's been used so far, um, rather than like a very heavily researched AI based um, piece, it's more like exploring um, what would happen if people kind of like just forego human creation entirely for in favor of AI, especially mm -hmm. because um, I feel like people are being pushed more and more to work like longer hours and more efficiently and like just except expected to be like hyper productive, right? Or you just can't make a living, especially like with creative work, you know, like with publishing, you're already like not making a lot. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you are a slow writer, it doesn't favor you either especially if it's like you don't get a big deal right off the bat or something right and then a lot of us will have to hold um full-time jobs to kind of supplement the income and whatnot and then yeah yeah with it being like this sci-fi dystopian cyberpunk novel like you didn't dwell on like the science aspects of it it was more much more about like the morality of it and and things like that, which you spoke to just a second ago. And I really like it felt like the main character was like stuck in this loop. Like they were trying to make money to pay off this debt and then upgrade themselves. But then they would have to use that money to, you know, they would sort of degrade. And it was just like this vicious cycle they were stuck in. They just couldn't get out of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I like the way that the, the main character kind, kind of realized, you know, they are everyone's relying on them because of you know their battery usage and all that stuff and it, it was happening nonchalantly like people were taking taking it for granted how to rely on you know the one and, and the battery was running out you know and i was, I was getting a little claustrophobic with the, the <laughs> battery was you know the battery's going down you know and it got down pretty low and i'm like oh god what's going to happen now you know i started tensing up and it's just yeah. I was just thinking, why would you do that to yourself? Why would yeah. you like, get, let your battery get so low? <laughs> it, it reminded me, uh, there's a movie, and I can't think of what it's called now, but it had Justin Timberlake in it. And, oh, and the time thing, where they give him the time. The time thing, yes. That's why I was I was getting a, a feel for that, because he, you know, you had to make sure you had... It cost him like four minutes to get a cup of coffee or whatever. Right, like right. That. That's what I was... Every time the battery started going down, I was like, oh gosh, that, that's what I was thinking. So, Plus the fact that, you know, without giving away too much, because it's short, but needed a battery transplant instead of a heart transplant and just you know mm -hmm. like i could see like both 
plays of it. Like you upgrade yourself so you live longer and stuff, but then you keep becoming less and less human with each time you do it, losing your own humanity with it. Was that something you were kind of trying to go for with the, the loss of humanity and, and things like that? I think so. Cause so it, it is very much like semi autographic, uh, autographical, <laughs> autobiographical. <laughs> the sleep deprivation yeah, is coming to me. You, you, you have an excuse. I, am, I, I totally broken, don't. <laughs> I'm broken down. I'm breaking down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I hope, like, whatever I just said to my agent is coherent and not like that. <laughs> anyway. uh, was it an email? You might want to go back and check. <laughs> I, well, I sent, like, the document already, so it's off, and we're, we're, we're going to talk next week, and oh I will deal with it for future <laughs> Anyway, but it is um, semi-autobiographical in the sense that, like, I used to work as a ghostwriter. And basically, mm-hmm. the faster you write, the more you make, right? Because oh, it's based yeah, on yeah. word count. It's not based um, on hours. So it's like, let's say you get $20 a page or something like that. So if you can write that page very, very quickly with mm-hmm. like high quality, then you make more money than someone who takes like, you know, an hour or two to write that same page. Um, yeah, so I was just thinking about like when I was doing that work, it was like, almost soulless work in a way because I was just like trying to turn things out as fast as I can and trying to ignore like you know human things that will like slow me down so kind Mm -hmm. of like you know the way you would like ignore a battery I would be like oh yeah I can just like eat a meal in 10 seconds and then go back to work (laughs) or like just skip a meal and I'll be fine and then Mm -hmm. it's like when you think about why someone would ignore the battery for so long it's like a lot of people do in real life, you know, we see people overwork themselves all the time and the way they neglect um, health and balance, like when it comes to work. Yeah. I'm living proof. <laughs> Same. So comment. Same. You, you, what did you say before? Your grandmother had to come and wake you up till you'd eat something. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Yes. <laughs> I was like, sleep is more important right now. I'll eat later. <laughs> So it's no, the commentary you must, on just create another book, okay? Yeah. Your mom <laughs> needs to work to make the cover, so you must keep making these books. So. I mean, that sounds like good logic to me, right? <laughs> so it's a commentary on AI and also sort of just the workforce in general. How all these corporations just treat basically people like robots. You know, work forty hours a week, fifty hours a week, and they don't really care about anything else. They just want you know the bottom line, make their product, make their money. And then the people themselves are just expendable. And that's kind of what it feels like, you know, in the novel, because they're kind of on the the outskirts of town. What was the town called again? I can't remember. Home. The city. Home. No, that's the other book, right? Lingwin? Oh, sorry. Um, Emmett. Emmett, yeah. And New Era is like the big global corporation entity. Mm-hmm. Did you want it to make it sort of feel almost it's not really post-apocalyptic, but dystopian in a way, because there's like the acid rain and they're kind of the, not well off people are like living under the bridge and these sort of makeshift places and whatnot. Did you, were you going for that sort of aesthetic from the beginning or is that just something that came along naturally along the way? I love writing dystopian things as mm-hmm. negative <laughs> as that sounds, <laughs> but so it was like very much intentional um, because I like, so my spouse is a architect and he mm-hmm. actually had a project. So I like asked him if I can like draw inspiration from it, um, where it was building homeless shelters under the bridge to better use up space kind uh-huh. of thing. Um, and I was just thinking about the fact that like 
like the housing issue and stuff like that now where my friend she lives in downtown there is a corporate owned apartment building and over half of it is empty just because no one can afford to live in it and then they still don't lower the price so people can live in it which is really weird and apparently mm -hmm. a lot of the university students are like living in shelters now as well just because they can't like afford tuition and like to live in those kind of buildings wow uh -huh. yeah they got to choose one or the other yeah because normally with something like this, when you before you would read it, you think, oh, it's going to be this nice, bright, shiny, everything's nice and squeaky clean. But there's this nice grit and sort of dirt to the whole thing. I guess kind of like you were talking about like a Chinatown or kind of like a Blade Runner type of scenario. Yeah, I like it when I like it when it's not like the Jetsons. Everything's nice and squeaky clean. There's some dirt and some grit. That makes it feel more realistic, even though this was like a thousand years in the future or so, I think it said at mm -hmm. one point. And yeah. even Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say because it's like very much based on like late stage capitalism and the way mm -hmm. that um, like if one big corporation basically monopolizes all the industries, they don't have any competition and they can afford to just do whatever they want. Right. And no one can really mm -hmm. do anything about it just because like no one else has anything that can compete with them. Right. Yeah. Amazon. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that because New Era in the book, they basically control everything. They control the housing and it seems like most of the jobs or if not all the jobs, they, I think they do the power, all that kind of stuff. So they also seem like they were the authority. They'd come maybe arrest people or and control the police at least possibly. It's a scary thing to think about one corporation just doing whatever they want to. No one yeah. else has really any other power. That's kind of the scariest thing about that one almost. As opposed to losing your body parts and losing your vanity. <laughs> How long did it take you to write this one? So I approached it similarly to my novel. <laughs> oh, geez. So at about about three days. Yeah. <laughs> it actually, yeah. <laughs> I like did about. But, but did you have the the concept in your head the whole time? You just letting it brew, or was it like something that? You know, I'll hear something topical. Let's do this. And I'm like, it's the deadline. So that's that's going to work. <laughs> Usually I like brew all my stories for a very long time before I write it. I like I think there were a few Twitter threads where I was um, hinting at like the fact that I wanted to do something with my name eventually just because it's like I. Right. And I think this was like early 2022, I think. And then so I've been like brewing on it since the first time I've mentioned it, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with it until like November. And then when I finally figured it out, I usually like write everything very fast after I think about it for a really long time. So the actual mm -hmm. writing process is like short, but then the actual like, you know, creation process in my mind is like very long. Was it always intended to be a novelette or was it you just going to write it in whatever length it turned out to be? That's what it was going to be. I had thought about making it a novella at first, but then mm -hmm. it just it just happened to be a novelette. So, would you ever come back to this world? Because I think this is a really interesting world you created. I'd like to see more, maybe other characters, other perspectives about what's say, going I'll, on there. Like a little spinoff with another character happening around the same time. Mm -hmm. So, the opera, um, the one about like the the nop the opera, <laughs> we're losing it again. <laughs> <laughs> the opera novel it uh -huh. kind of takes place in this kind of like dystopianish post-apocalyptic world and mm -hmm. we'll see like you know the roaches in i am i mentioned again in opera okay so 
yeah so opera is like that kind of story it's not this exact world but it does have like bits like hints of it moved over and explored mm -hmm. differently okay and for those that haven't read it what is your your elevator pitch for i am i <laughs> so it is basically about a cyborg named i that is disguised as an ai um so they can survive in a late capitalist society named Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> not not the other one, not uh, not home. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this just came out uh what last week or so, two weeks ago? Hadn't been that long, has it? No, like ten ten days ago on June twentieth, yeah. What's the reception been so far with it? I think so far it's been like very like positive which is nice i think it's because it is very much centered around humanity and kind of like holding on to it or at least like reclaiming humanity you know and not losing sight of what makes us human and what is it uh, like what is it about our art that is important mm -hmm. I, I think i think my favorite part was the ending i really enjoyed the ending of it and i won't say what happens at the end or anything but it was very brad it was very poignant and sweet i thought at the end i i like the ending a lot how you wrapped it up because it could have gone multiple directions it could have been very bleak but i thought it was kind of a nice sweet ending for this one i think because i went very very bleak for ling Huan, that's all i'll say <laughs> <laughs> i had to i had to balance it a little you know uh -huh. Rob uh, Smith in the comments says you should teach workshops on the power of sleep deprivation for writing fiction. Charge a ton of money. I mean, sleep deprivation is cheaper than like drugs that I hear some people do. <laughs> so, like, I, I asked where you did some legal stuff to stay awake now. So, it, it is very much legal. Yes. James mentioned a second ago about the ghostwriting. What kind of ghostwriting stuff did you do for? Was it just like boring, like? pamphlets and stuff or non-fiction kind of stuff i cannot are you allowed to say much about okay. it <laughs> but it was like a very wide variety of things i like okay. basically dabbled in a little of everything except like legal work <laughs> did you did you glean or learn anything from those experiences that you are now putting into your fiction for sure i think because some of it I'm trying to phrase this <laughs> vaguely but some of it was like research-based so like i learned a lot from just like researching different things i would not have like otherwise research kind of thing for those projects and like mm -hmm. definitely some of it would inspire things i write or like make it into the works i have that's cool yeah so before uh, the show it uh, brad and i was talking i came up with uh i, I did some little ai research <laughs> so we, we we could wrap up the whole ai talk but I, I i was looking for some i was trying to find some fun facts about ai oh yeah so <laughs> fun facts what are they what's fascinating uh a couple of things i found here okay more fascinating than fun i guess you could say um like uh Leonardo da Vinci produced basic designs for a humanoid robot around 1495. See, I wonder what his mind. version of a robot would be compared to. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, a robot. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious about that now. So yeah. I'm assuming they would, he would have thought they were made out of metal, but he wouldn't have any idea about circuits or anything like that. I don't, I don't guess he would. I don't know. He was a smart guy. He might have. 
Now here, here's oh. something. So because we were talking about opera and AI composer Jacques Offenbach's 1881 opera. It's, um, <laughs> it, it translates to the tales of Hoffman. Features a life-size robotic doll named Olympia. Just for those just joining us, this is the extent of my research for the show. By the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> what year? What year was that? 1881. 1800 See, it's it's so weird to 1400s and 1800s. Yes. I'm thinking about robots like that mm -hmm. blows my mind. But here's the one that kind of really grabbed me. Uh, just because of the person that is involved. Tech moron Elon Musk is outspoken. <laughs> I, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Tech mogul Elon Musk <laughs> is outspoken regarding the potential dangers to humankind posed by artificial intelligence. I mean, has he's, no he's one seen AI Terminator? I know. He, he, he's called AI humanity's greatest existential threat. He compared the attempts to create it to summoning the demon. That's from Elon Musk, who's like his whole... Yeah, his whole uh, mm -hmm. uh, foundation is like technology and stuff, right? It's something. I don't know. Just I don't uh, know if you all have seen them. There's those. Uh, my research is done. Way. I'm done. Your research is done? I don't know if they're yeah. the military ones or not, but they're these robots that can like jump and they like do these leaps like cheetahs and stuff. They're terrifying. You can knock it over and it can stand back oh, up. Interesting. You build they an program that, right? They program them and they do all the TikTok dances and everything. So they're like super agile. They're extremely at. I mean, is that is that the future of defense? Maybe, you know. So all that stuff terrifying, like that artificial intelligence. I think we're like getting that, too really creeps me out. I think we're getting way too deep for this. <laughs> I think we need, to, we need to move on to the next uh, book. Move on. We'll move on. We're going to get some haters. I think it's okay. That paper cuts. All they do is talk about AI. Take it over the world. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so let's talk about your. <laughs> novella like one that came that came out was it earlier this year or in the last year so it came out in early april april 4th of this okay. year yeah Dang. i feel like it came out a long time ago compared to that so only I, I know. <laughs> and the reception for that's been super positive i've everyone i've seen that's read it as i think Keenan patrick burke is recommending it i i follow him on amazon and every now and then when you follow an author on amazon they they recommend books too and I'm pretty sure I got an email today that he was recommending your book. That's pretty cool. Keelan, he's like, he's so supportive. I like, yeah. I love him. He's great. It's a, uh, what's his name? Clay McCullough Chapman at uh, Butcher Cabin Books. He wrote like a little placard for yeah. it and stuck on there. He was recommending it there. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I like, no, go, no, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go okay. ahead. <laughs> no, finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, I'm like very, very appreciative of all like my blurbers for Lincoln because they had like such amazing things to say. And they were like really like vocal about loving um, the novella when it first came out, which really helped in like, you know, spreading word of mouth. Because I think especially for indie publishing, word of mouth makes a really huge difference. Right. Yeah. Can It can make or break a book, really, when you think about it. Did you expect this amount of reception or this, not to say that you thought it was going to be bad, but this amount of positive reception, like everyone like really championing it? I think with writing, it 
it's like very strange in the way that you kind of go into and not expecting anything and expecting everything at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. which I kind of cancels out, I suppose. <laughs> but I just kind so of ex- like wait. Expect nothing. <laughs> <laughs> expect neutrality. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just went into it just hoping that it will resonate with someone the same mm-hmm. way that the story had resonated with me while, like, while I was writing it. Um, but I like I just kind of went into it thinking if I work very hard and try to put the book in front of people someone must like it right Uh (laughs) even if like not everyone likes it which is like fair because there's no book that everyone loves you know yeah it's a you have a very interesting unique take on haunted houses and ghosts and I love the cover the cover has the upside down house it's like you flipped sort of the genre on its head was that on purpose to have the house upside down that was actually not on purpose. So like the cover art um, behind that, I sent a bunch of like reference pictures to my publisher, which were like mostly just right side up houses. Mm-hmm. And then he came back with this one. He was like, look what I found. And I was like, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so that's basically how that went about. Um, but I do believe so like the original artwork's name is titled The Fall of um, the House of Usher mm, by okay. Edgar Allan Poe. Poe. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. I, I do like that it's an upside down house because like you said, you sort of flip what most people would expect a haunted house novel to be and it, you just do like something completely loud. It's more like, um, I think someone else said it. It's more like the living or haunting the ghosts instead of the other way around in this one. I think it's very interesting that like a lot of the times when I'm like watching western media movies and things like that about ghosts it's always about ghosts coming back to life haunting people um, terrorizing people and houses but then Mm -hmm. a lot of what i grew up um with concerning like spirits in general in Mm -hmm. like media in my culture um not always they also have like horrifying stuff but just not as common are like spirits Mm -hmm. as guides or like your ancestors coming back to help you do something and mm-hmm. like more either like neutral or bene- benevolent ghosts rather than like evil ones. So I was just like thinking about like the different kinds of ghosts that might um, appear rather than like just the very like vengeful ones. I was wanting to ask because I'm not going to pretend that like I know anything about it, but is is Chinese culture and I know China's huge, but is it a lot different? from Western culture when it comes to uh, spirits and ghosts, I feel like with the book, it was more like they were treating them uh, more in a more respectful way as compared to Westerners. You know, Oh, they're bad. They're evil. We, it's a haunted house. You don't want to go in there, but in this, you know, they're wanting, they're striving. Yeah. It's like they're wanting to come back. They're wanting their whole goal is to, to live with them and right. Not in a fearful way, but like just to spend, I guess grief also plays a lot into it, but to spend more time with them and, now, there was a lot more respect with it. And I don't know if that was a cultural thing or just something you did for the story or. So I won't speak about like cultural as a whole, but more so like mm-hmm. my family's culture and like my region's mm-hmm. culture where like when I was a child, my grandma would always bring me up the mountain. So she like lived on the rural side um, of like uh, the province we're in. And mm-hmm. so she would take me up to the mountain and we would burn offerings for like the spirits of uh, those who have passed, basically. So it's not like, you know, they're going to come back and haunt us. It's more like, you know, respect thing. The spirits right. are there. We should go and respect them. I guess that's sort of similar. We're, 
here we go put flowers on the on graves and stuff like that so i can see where it kind of crosses over a little bit like that mm. so with this one what, what does home stand for in the book i can't remember what the acronym was uh so it was homecoming of missing entities <laughs> of missing entities and was it just a neighborhood or was it more like a town because i know there's a school and stuff and i feel like at one point they're talking about like sort of a market area it was more than just a little neighborhood right so I was thinking about it in the way of like my neighborhood when like where I was growing up, um, Scarborough. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have a school within like a five minute walk from my house. Mm -hmm. um, and then within another 10 minutes, you will have like a store or shop or something. So it is like kind of like a neighborhood where everything is quite like compacted. Because mm -hmm. it seems like it's in our world because you mentioned Toronto. I think you mentioned Scarborough. And then there's this neighborhood, which is just completely different and bizarre compared to everything else and you sort of hint at why it is the way it is and i won't go into that we'll let the readers discover that for themselves but what was sort of the genesis of this to have it where people are wanting to be haunted you know usually it's the other way around they want to run away from those houses but they're literally fighting for these houses to get in there to be haunted by you know loved ones and stuff I think with my personal experience with death, a lot of the times it is not people who want to let go of grief, but people who are trying to desperately hold on to it in the mm -hmm. sense that they don't want to forget the people they have lost or their memories. And so they keep trying to like relive those memories in their minds to hold on to these people. Or they'll say things like, oh, I remember when, you know, so-and-so did this. I really miss them. I wish they would come back right rather than mm -hmm. like I wish I can let them go so then I was kind of like drawing on that when writing home and the way that ghosts might be haunted by the living rather than the other way around just because we are like so desperately trying to hold on to them and cling on to them in this world and perhaps they don't want to be clinged on to we never right. know I was, right? I, that's what I was thinking like like the <laughs> the spirits uh, of those deceased they're probably ready to move on but you, you have these families in this area like grabbing them wanting them to come back basically instead of allowing them to you know carry on to where they needed to go it's it's totally opposite than what you normally see like in scary movies or other books about you know let, let's talk to the dead or whatever the case may be it's like an interesting spin on the whole situation yeah, I was thinking a lot about the fact that, you know, when ghosts appear in media, they appear in the same age that they like passed in, right? And I mm -hmm. always wonder, it's like, what if they actually age or something like that? We're just not allowing them to age just because that's the way we remember them to be, right? And we don't remember them as anything else than like the moment they have passed, you know, right. or like prior to that. Yeah, that's because there's sort of this this weird time aspect with this book as well and like you said you know if a person dies you're not going to think of them as well what would they look like 20 years later you know if they do age on their end or their realm or wherever they are but there's also with this it's like this whole area is sort of stuck in the past because the school they're teaching outdated materials and everything like that so it's almost like it's this time like the whole area is like time is paused when i don't know something maybe some event happened and someone died there and it's sort of everything is sort of stagnant now. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? It's almost yeah, like time yeah. really does stand still in a yeah. way, you know? Yeah. 
I was trying to kind of like use home as a metaphor for the way that like time stand might stand still in a grieving person's mind, even as their like physical body is aging, right? Because we see home as somewhere that's like, you know, dust covered and there are like weeds growing and it's like, you know, it's almost like everyone's basically abandoned like what is around them in favor mm -hmm. of like staying in this like very stalled um state in their minds but outside everything is still changing the world is still moving without them and their physical body is still you know deteriorating yeah how much fun everything did you sort have? of becomes stagnant yeah Sorry, how much Jay. fun did you how much fun did you have writing the uh, auction scene <laughs> it just it just seemed like it just everything went crazy that's the scene that makes me think of the hunger games and like the realtor uh she reminded me of what's her name effie i effie? think her name from hunger yes i was like that's the woman from hunger games <laughs> the realtor was very much inspired by Effie, I must say. I was okay, contemplating, cool. yeah, I was contemplating on whether to make the auction a very solemn kind of thing or a very mm -hmm. absurd kind of thing on like drawing on um I don't know if you both have watched Parasite before. Yeah, I've the seen Korean thriller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what well, parts of it? I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. <laughs> you must, you must. But I, anyway, I know. there's like <laughs> I have a list. But yeah, so there's like absurdity in it um, where they kind of like almost characterize the characters yeah. in how they kind of like explore capitalism or like just wealth versus the poor. And I kind of want to like draw on that kind of absurdist tone for that scene. I remember I read one review where one person was like, this reads very cartoonish. And I was like, yes. <laughs> what I was shooting for. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so i was like i if i had it as solemn i feel like it wouldn't bring out as much the absurdity of the town as if i made it very cartoonish and over the top because mm -hmm. the whole situation with the whole neighborhood is absurd of the lingers that just basically they're willingly becoming homeless to camp out on these lawns for just maybe the opportunity to yeah, get one I really of these felt houses. for them lingers <laughs> it really showed how uh grief comes i wrote it down what's it say grief makes you blind to those around you so like they put their blinders on and do, they're obsessed with grief like especially with uh was it when she is that how you pronounce the protagonist's name mm -hmm. her and her mother like her mother is like almost acts like her daughter doesn't exist because she's so yeah. focused on the ghost of of her son that the daughters basically may as well not even be there and so grief has sort of blinded her and the mother almost came across as i don't want to say villainous because she wasn't evil or anything but like this almost uncaring in a way towards uh Winchi because she was so focused on the ghost of the sun was that like an intentional thing to make her almost come across as an unlikable character in a way even though it's not even really her fault you know, she's i don't know, i feel sympathy for her, but also like you're kind of annoying as well at the same time <laughs> yeah so i did very much intend to make her like both sympathetic but unlikable at the same time because we are looking through first person point of view through winchie's eyes right mm -hmm. so it's like whenever you do first person there is an unreliable aspect to it so when she can be like very antagonizing her mom in this case just because this is how she feels like she feels right. like she's being neglected but on the flip side if we look at it through 
the mom's point of view, we might be far more sympathetic. And then it's kind of like the way with Mrs., right? Because we see it through her point of view, all her like over the top reactions and actions make more sense to us than if we just look at her from the outside through mm -hmm. another character's point of view. Yeah, I don't know. There was something about the mom that just fell off. But again, if it's from her perspective, you know, she's still grieving her child that was what I think you said he was like four years old, five years old or something when he passed away. So that I mean that would be just one of the most traumatic things you could experience. And then having to live with that and then not having the opportunity to get to see him again every day. And we again we never get to see him from her perspective. So we don't really know what he looks like for her. But from Winchie's perspective, she doesn't really she sort of sees like the outline, but she can't hear him talk if he's actually talking. She can't really make out his face. Was that something? What is the dynamic between that where Winchie can't really see him, but supposedly looks seems like the mom, you know, like he's actually physically there for the mom? I was kind of like draw on the idea of how close you are or like how many memories you have made um, with that person and how it impacts like the ghosts that you see in this neighborhood so it's kind mm -hmm. of like the stronger connection you have to that person the more you remember them um the more clear their image is right so for the mom uh, I, well I, this wouldn't really be spoilery i suppose because i do hint <laughs> at it um she basically sees him as he is like in his entirety as though he is you know a human living child compared to when she who like you know was like three years old four years old when he passed so mm -hmm. she doesn't remember nearly as much and have not experienced life nearly as much with him. And so naturally her image of him in her mind is like blurry, right? And it's hard to recall, especially with passing time. It only gets blurrier. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. I was just thinking like she didn't believe in it as much, so she didn't see him as much, but not having the memories makes a lot more sense. And the dad, we never, for me, I never got a really good sense of if he was more like the mom, like he could actually physically see him or if he was more like Winchy, there's a few scenes where he does some things, but we never got a good sense of what he actually was be able to see with the son. It was almost like he was trying to appease the mom. Like, I'm just going to go along with what you're saying. I think it's really funny because I've gotten a lot of comments about this, about my previous work too, where like mm -hmm. the father figure always seems like a shadowy, um, person in the narrator's life and I feel like it really mimics the way that like a lot of my friends fathers not just my own father right and their mm -hmm. position in our lives where they are basically just like working constantly for the family and so they're like almost never home um, mm -hmm. so they are very much a shadowy figure where they don't know too much about family life they only mm -hmm. know that they have to work hard for the family and try to right. keep them together through they're like monetary ways, things yeah, yeah. Like through monetary, and they have to be like you know this like rough breadwinner that like <laughs> you know is the stone of the family or you know things like that, and they just can't show their vulnerability compared to you know the mother figure or things like that. They they can't show any kind of emotion really. I I don't think I mean, Weak, weakness, quote unquote. Right, they're defeated. You know they they have their routine. They have to go to work and be there in time and make the, the money for the household and allow their wife, the mother to be the emotional glue that holds the family together. So we're getting yep. deep on a Friday night here. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what you're talking about. Yeah. I liked what you're talking about a minute ago that it was, I can't remember if it was I or Jay that said it, but like maybe the ghosts want to move on, but she's like, 
oh, he's going to show up every day at a certain time. and I'm going to feed him his breakfast, his favorite meal at the same time. And maybe he just doesn't want to do that anymore. Right. And maybe, maybe since they're in this sort of weird, I don't know, supernatural paranormal place that he has no choice at this point. I don't know. I won't spoil too much about it, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, we don't want the, to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, slight yeah, change. Yeah, <laughs> the slight yeah. change in that dynamic mm-hmm. as the story goes on, and I will leave it at that. <laughs> so for for this, what's your elevator's pitch for? Since you did one for the AI one, what's your elevator's uh, pitch for this one? Um, so it's basically about like Lincoln is about a neighborhood where people go to buy haunted houses to live with the ghosts of their dead loved ones. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. People are dying to get in, literally. Boom, boom, boom. No. <laughs> they are. I mean, it shows how, like like I said earlier, like grief can blind you. Like the whole auction scene, it's just like you didn't go into like the gory details of it, but it's a violent scene. Shockingly violent compared to the rest of it. The rest of it's more sort of subtle and you know, slow and insidious. It's not even insidious because the ghosts aren't, you know, malevolent at all. But then the auction scene, just like, wow. Like, they really have no regard for their fellow man. They're only concerned about getting these houses so they can, you know, see their their dead loved ones. And it's, I like the way, the juxtaposition of that scene compared to the rest of the novella. Yeah. It's just the violence, really, and the the brutality of what these people would be willing to do really shined out in that scene. Did, did you write this all in order, or did you have the, maybe that scene written and, like, you wanted to use it somewhere? It just... So I never really write in order. <laughs> right. Okay. I, yeah. I think you mentioned that earlier, but because it seemed like that was like, okay, that would have been the focus for a while. Just, you know, this person here, this person here, this person did this, this person, you know, that, that scene. And for those who have no clue what we're talking about, read the book. book. Yeah. Read the book. <laughs> because it's about the halfway, back. yeah, about the halfway mark there when that auction scene hits. You're like, oh, cool. What's going on here? You know? I think especially because it's like such a quiet book and you kind of like get dragged into the lull of home with the characters and how like seemingly normal it is. We kind Mm -hmm. of like need the auction scene to kind of remind people that no, this is this is not normal (laughs) and you should not think this is normal at all. Um, But yeah, like the auction scene was one that like lingered in my mind for a long time while I was writing the whole thing. So it like was written as a very... Um, contained scene before mm-hmm. like I added other stuff that needed to be added you know that like happened around the yeah. book but because you mentioned the auction earlier in the book I was like oh it's just gonna be a normal auction they're gonna go bid and I was like this is not at all what I was, I was, I was, like, to happen. I was picturing like a silent auction people were going like yeah, right down their paddles. for it you know and <laughs> yeah and all that not to get too much but all that like you still might not have even gotten the house from that auction thing, you know, you just had a, a chance to maybe get it, which is even crazier that you weren't just, it wasn't like a battle Royale. One winner gets it all. It's maybe you'll get a percentage of a chance to maybe win a house. I which feel even, like the, no, I no, say, which lends even to the, even more how much humanity they've lost. Like it's not that I'm going to guarantee when it, it's like, I might get a chance like playing the lottery. I, just, I got my ticket now. Now I can play the lottery and see if I win or not. Right. I feel like, especially with grief, there are so many people who are willing to do so much more than they think they would, right? And if Mm -hmm. an opportunity like this really does come up, like, 
would people really not go for it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we think about our society now, like there are definitely people I know that would probably do it, you know, especially when they're like so consumed with grief and they can't really see what's outside of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if this, if this was a real thing and like I had a loved one that passed away and I had the opportunity to see him again, I feel like I would probably take the chance to try and do it. Especially if it was like one of my kids, definitely. What about you, Jay? You've got two kids. Would you? Yeah. I mean, wow. Stop getting so deep. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just like, we just got the minute and, and deep and just like, hey, Jay, I'm, would you try to bring back a, a loved one? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking kind of crap on the, on the people in the book, but I feel like if it was real, I would be doing the same thing possibly if, if I had the opportunity to do it. And I don't even believe in ghosts and all that stuff. Like, but still, if like if that was a thing, like yeah, take a shot. And I mean, because I don't even believe in you, but I want you to come back. I don't. I mean, it, well, because this book isn't real, Jay. <laughs> you think you're up to read some, or are you just too tired to? I oh, you were talking to me. I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking to Brad. I got very confused. Yeah, Jay. I'll read it for her. <laughs> She's zoned out. That's how tired she is. She's zoned out. No, no, no. I was like, oh, yeah. What are we reading? Well, we, were, we were talking ahead of time that you, if, you, if you felt like you could read. Yeah. Okay. So, well. No pressure. I mean, you, 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 since you, you, we you, like. <laughs> do we want to like be a little lighter or like darker? Let's go dark. Go super dark. All right, I suppose it would Darker have to better. be Lincoln then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me just quickly pull it up. Ebook on standby. Haha. <laughs> All right, so I will read like the first five or so minutes of. Go for it. The That's, novella, yeah. If you, if you can do it, go for it. Okay. So this is from the opening of. Um, Lingwen. Sorry, I just realized. Okay, yeah. Wen Chi. I study Dizzy and Karsik into the kitchen to find Mother unpacking. Her eyes dart everywhere rather than focusing on the task at hand. Bowls and plates litter the island, the dining table, and the edges of the sink. Cupboards sit open, empty. Father stands next to her, rubbing a hand across his stubbled chin, running a finger along a growing shadow of a mustache. His other hand rests against the sink, twitching, not knowing where else to place it or what he should be doing with it. The agent said it might take a while before he appears, Mother says in a feverish whisper, fixing her hair the way she used to right before leaving for a job interview. Before we got the house, she worked in a travel agency downtown, but that didn't last long. Mother said there was a new co-worker who too closely resembled what my brother would have looked like as an adult. Their names were also similar. In the pamphlet she gave us, it says placing the items or photos around the house might help, Father says. Mother flings herself over to a box by the fridge and rips it open. She takes out several framed family photos. None are recent. All the pictures, like my brother, are frozen in time. Mother hurries around the house while father and I stare. She places, a, she places one frame on the dining table and one on the coffee table in the living room. Her footsteps thunder up the stairs, doors open, close, open, close, footsteps pitter-patter, pitter-patter. She returns 
and I imagine she has placed a similar, fam similar family portrait on the desk in my room. Mother with her hand on my shoulder, the other hand on my brother's, father behind her with a hand at her waist and the other on my brother's head. When mother returns, she grabs a stack of unframed photos, this time of only my brother. Ultrasounds, preschool and kindergarten pictures, him in a graduation cap, holding a certificate of excellence at the end of first grade. His photos end there. A younger me, half my brother's age, stands in the picture, clutching his arm with a wobbly smile and missing teeth. My brother was always the golden child, the one who carried the family's honor, the one who would have carried the family's name, as per tradition. Unlike me, who will only carry the name of my husband, if I marry. Mother and father often try to convince me that they are not as traditional as their parents, yet they doted on my brother, the firstborn son, and often forgot about me. They still do, even though he's gone. I'm convinced that, had they been offered the choice, my parents would have traded my life for my brother's with little hesitation. At least, mother would have, and probably still would, if given the chance. I grew up hearing her complain often about how father's mother always insisting that my parents try for another son, but mother was, and still is, too heartbroken to think about children. Mother disappears again. Father and I wait, listening to the ticking of a small clock, the same one mother used for my brother's reading hours back when we still lived in Fuzhou. I still remember the way my brother drew me closer when he read so I could see the words, but they were always too advanced for my age. I can recall the images, but I don't recognize the Chinese characters in my memories. After mother sets everything up, the three of us sit in the living room, waiting for something to happen for my brother's promised appearance, but nothing does. Mrs. The new arrivals to the neighborhood moved into the house across the street. There's only one reason anyone would trek through the guarding trees to get to home, not to seek new life, but to satisfy a longing for the dead. Houses and homes sate the unending hunger of those most vulnerable, unsuspecting. They feed on our desires, our pain, so much pain, and to wallow in such pain, it is a hideous thing. Isn't it strange how everyone here desires their homes to be haunted? You wonder if the newcomers will be the same as the others. You wonder if they too will be unrelenting, or perhaps they will be like you, unhaunted. I will dun, stop there. Dun, dun. <laughs> it, it really sets up from the get-go the feeling we were talking about where uh, uh, the daughter seems like she doesn't matter. And it was all about the son that was no longer with us. You know, and the mother only saw that. It's almost like, and I think that's something that we see a lot of times in, in like uh, horror films and, and, and um, other mm -hmm. books where, you know, when it deals with a kid, first of all, when it deals with a kid, it gets pretty deep and dark, you know, and it's got a really, weird feeling to it but when there's a sibling involved the other sibling feels like hey they're lost in the mix you know the whole time so that really sets up the whole foundation of, of this of this book well done yes I don't, there was one part and i won't be able to quote it directly but her uh when she and her mother were arguing and like the mom asked like what's wrong with you and she's uh when when she answers i'm alive or i'm still alive yeah like that's the problem that she's still here and the brother's not yeah. 
have, you, have you always been this dark? <laughs> <laughs> I I remember it was really funny. Like the first time I put um, an author photo on Twitter, and people were like, "Wow, she's like this." And then her <laughs> like her writing's like. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I am like in idealistically optimistic person i would say but i don't know i don't know why the things i write are, are we going to not. uncover some of your stories from the third grade the ones that the teachers had to call your parents about like hey she's killing these smurfs off you know it's like <laughs> i mean third grade what did i write in the third grade i think i, I wrote know. about like magic portals and wolves there you go <laughs> i didn't want to ask was the home acronym was that on purpose to for to spell out home, or is that yeah. just? <laughs> is it? I was. What what came first? Did you have to figure out words to go with home, or? Yeah, I had to figure out words to go with home, <laughs> and then I was really struggling. I was like, oh, I was like, I need something that like makes sense for the story, and like, there's so many letters. <laughs> be, home is pretty cool. I think that just because it sets the feeling. I, for the area but then yeah got, then, you, then you stuck with okay what could be h o you know try to figure yeah out. yeah because i was trying to think about like the marketing tactics the agent would use too right so i was like okay what what would logically make sense with this <laughs> string of letters because it i feel like it has multiple um meanings of this you know it's the physical home that they're in but also i feel like it's more like the families are the home because you know, they just moved in any random house and they could have brought you know their family members back it didn't have to be a specific one where like they died in it or whatever yeah. the home the house itself just seems like a conduit for this to happen and then the the home itself is you know the families themselves if, if that makes any sense no yeah i was just thinking a lot about the concept of home recently because when i was writing this um my sister like we were texting and then she was like, oh, like I was like, oh, I'm going to go home at so and so time. And she was like, which home are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking about that fact. Right. And the way that like sometimes I would travel. Right. And then I would feel homesick. But then is it like because my family and spouse wasn't there or because I was really homesick? You know, because mm -hmm. like then I went to Scotland for a year to study for my master's. And even though it was like halfway across the world, I felt very at home there just because of the friends I made there, you know. Mm -hmm. What part of uh, Scotland did you go to? Uh, Edinburgh. It was very nice. Oh, that's cool. I'd love to go. My wife went when she was in high school, I think. Did you do like the, the tours and like the. No, not the dungeons. What are they called? The crypts underneath? Yeah, the yeah, the vaults, the vaults, the, the vaults, Edinburgh yes. vaults. Um, yeah, so like my spouse came over and I brought him with us and they, well, I won't ruin it too much, but they did this whole like, you know, in the dark thing where they made you turn off your flashlights and it was very cool. And he was just like, what is going on? Because <laughs> they said they're supposed to be uh, haunted, right? Or I guess they, yeah, they touch you or, yeah. or whatever down in there. Yeah, they do like ghost stories. And there was one point it was like completely dark and the guide would like walk around. I don't know how they could see anything, but they would walk around <laughs> and come closer to, and farther to you as they talk about the story. I'm just like, you have like very good, you know, spatial awareness to not bump yeah. into anyone. Wow. I don't know if I could do that. Right? <laughs> it was that dark, yeah. I was like, I used to work in a haunted house. And so we were used to the lights being off and you do get acclimated to being able to walk around in the dark room without running into stuff. 
it's still it's still wild though you know <laughs> <laughs> so like you yourself do you believe in ghosts or spirits or anything or i i feel like i am the type who is like i don't believe anything exists but i don't believe they do not exist unless mm -hmm. proven otherwise yeah. thanks for that political answer <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the same way because like i don't believe in ghosts but i don't discount other people's experiences but i haven't experienced anything that makes me believe in ghosts yet mm -hmm. if that makes sense yes i, I tend been to joke totally believe you believe <laughs> yeah what what have you experienced something yeah we don't need to get into it with my stuff here well, i'm not the guest of honor this evening <laughs> i would like to hear about it though no yeah that's, yeah that's Jay, the, tell us that's for the patreon after hours <laughs> the pay stuff. i have you been no, to any I, other there's, haunted there's places fillings and stuff i mean you gotta you got okay. say there's got there's got there's been fillings of things and and but not like a book flat off the shelf or anything or i mean just oddities and, and feelings and stuff and where I believe that there are other things around at times, not always, not right now. I mean, you, you not know. that you know of. <laughs> right. But yeah. Have you all been, to, both of y'all, have y'all been to any other haunted locations other than, you know, the vaults are haunted for sure. Supposedly anyway. Hmm. <laughs> Outside of like graves, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Do you just I... hang out at cemeteries, or <laughs> no, <laughs> just hang out of the I graves? Mean... She's writing her stories. <laughs> yeah, do you just like find a random one? Oh, you just sit up against it, and start writing things down with your laptop, or <laughs> I meant like the the graves that like you know my parents have brought me to as a child to like visit, <laughs> you know, dead family members. No, not like wow, Jay, by what cemetery. What Let's go in there. <laughs> Yeah, this is a new great. I, I, you know, some some funny. There's a, I don't know if it's funny or not, but there's a, a <laughs> the little there's a little little town just five minutes from me that we have to cut mm -hmm. through to get to like you know some of the shopping places, and it, there, there's a cemetery there, and my youngest daughter, anytime we go by any kind of cemetery, she goes, "Hi, dead people." Every single <laughs> time, every single time, no matter what cemetery we're going by, it's always she's in the back. Hi, dead people. At least she's being polite. <laughs> yeah. She is, so. <laughs> have you been to the uh, Ohio State? I've not. Yet? It, it's it's 45 minutes for me, and I've never been there. Born and raised mm -hmm. here in Columbus, Ohio, and I've never been to the LSU Penitentiary. So. The two biggest ones I've been to are there's a place local called Liberty Hall that's supposedly haunted by the Gray Lady. And kind of like it's on the way to take my daughter to school. So we drive past, she say, Hi, Gray Lady. But and then there's um in Louisville the uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium I've been in there and that's supposed to be one of the most haunted places in the world but I didn't experience anything while I was in there so I'm I'm still a skeptic but I could be swayed. There's a uh, there's a hotel down my wife's from the Marietta Ohio area and there's a um, there's an island uh, Leonard Hazard Island that's on the Ohio River with the hotel that's supposed to be haunted. Mm -hmm. I want to check it out at some point too. The Shining. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. You know. Did you go to uh, whatever it was they had? Was it last year in the Stanley? They had the Overlook thing. Did you go to that? I. It was like a. Oh, it's not scares that care. It's a. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think James Sabatha puts it together. It was right around no. the same time as StokerCon, I think. Oh, then no, I don't. Oh, the is it the library one? 
the, maybe oh it's the it's bother me. i think what it's called but they did it in the overlook last last year year before last spirited giving is what the event's called interesting I'll are you even into that up. i mean are, are you like into like horror stuff or do you just write it and just you know it depends on the type of horror, I think. But like with supernatural and spirit things, I'm definitely into it. But then I'm also like too much of a small bean to try to like look too much <laughs> into it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh yes, <laughs> what's going on over there? Let me know what's done. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. Just, just you know, summarize yeah. it for me. <laughs> yeah. So it's not something you actively seek out to go to these haunted locations. No, no. But I am convinced that cats can see ghosts. <laughs> I've heard that before. That I think dogs can't. I think they see stuff we don't. Yeah. Yeah, because like my cats at home, all like they're always like, you know, just minding their own business. Suddenly they'll be like, and I'm just like, what are you even What's wrong looking with you? <laughs> at there? Yeah. And I'll be like, hello? Anyone there? <laughs> you know, yeah, I think sometimes, spouse... sometimes babies can too when they're because they're always looking at corners and <laughs> I don't that, know. That's just... true. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell one quick story and I'll then I'll shut up. When you my slowly got creepy, didn't we? <laughs> when my my first child was born, we came home from the hospital and my wife was sitting in the living room and like the TV is in front of us and then there's a doorway and all the lights are off or watching whatever and she thought she saw like a person lean out from the doorway and go back in and then one oh. of our dogs would not come through that doorway for like a month, like right around the same time. Like he would stop there and just whimper and would not come into the room. Like he was terrified, but there was nothing there. Nothing else had changed. It was in the same spot. She supposedly saw that person lean over. It was just like but a shadow. Head why, or whatever. So why don't you believe if you had that experience? Cause I didn't see the shadow person and the dog is just, a, he's a dummy. So he didn't want to come in the room. But they have different kinds of senses than we do. They did, but it was the same doorway. Like where she saw it, he would not come in that room. For like a month he would just stand there he wanted to come in but he wouldn't do it he would just sort of stand there and whimper and then go back the other way so that's my my, my ghost story always i don't know what it would have dog. been i always believe the dog <laughs> yes but i did want to mention real quick that uh, there's going to be a special edition of wing wind coming out later this year in october is that correct yes yes it's with like the like part wrote, of the horror box oh sorry uh, yes go ahead. unplugged book box is that correct Yes, yeah, so it's like with okay. their sister horror box called um, Twisted Retreat, I believe. So they're going to have, you know, like a limited edition hardcover kind of Ooh, thing nice. with like the sprayed edges and everything. And I'm just oh, like... Oh, that's cool. Yes, I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Spray Is there going to be... Nice. Just, that, don't... That's, that's, that's when you know you've made it. Yeah, <laughs> special. <laughs> so is there anything... anything uh, content wise added in there like any like pictures or additional stories or anything or just be hardcover or or do you not know yet so Linquin itself does have like you know the additional short stories so i think they're gonna just do the whole thing so with the forward okay. my afterward essay and like the two short stories okay. yeah but then it's gonna have like all the little themed goodies that they will pick and i'm excited to see what they put with it i hope they put tea because they have to put tea <laughs> Uh, I feel like all those book boxes, they do some kind of tea every month. That's true. Time. Is it going to have the same cover or do you know they're doing a different special edition cover? I actually don't know like if they're doing a different cover or not yet. So I suppose we will see. That's nice. So do you have to sign yeah. them all then? <laughs> I think we're doing the, the tipped in pages. So oh, okay. the first time I feel That's so official. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you know how many copies it's going to be? Like Limited bragging how many? rights. Like, look at yeah. this copy. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have no clue yet, but I will be sure to post it on Twitter as they come in. Be like, yes. look at this stack of paper. I am <laughs> signing stacks of papers now. Speaking of which, I, 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 we want to get you out of here so you can get some sleep. And I know your mom wants to start writing your next book. But uh, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of Twitter, where else can people find you? You got Twitter and what else? Uh, you can find me on my website. It's basically just like my name and then .ca, not .com. And then... Um, you can also find me on Facebook by just my name. Usually it pops up. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Great. And also, really quick, you also, I don't know if it's done yet, but you've been working on editing an anthology, Wilted Pages, as well with Christy Nogle. Yes. So, we've like turned in all the short stories, basically, except one for proofreading. So, mm -hmm. that is, I think, for the Kickstarter backers. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, didn't. No, no. Pretend that didn't Ignore happen. That. Ignore that. <laughs> Sleep <it> deprivation. Is... <laughs> That's... Like the jury. You, you ignore that jury. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's supposed to ship out, um, I believe, mid-September. So coming up pretty quickly. I'm, like, very happy that, like, we got everything turned around so quickly because we had our open submissions in March and then it's coming out okay. September, so, which is, which is great because I'm sure the authors will want to see their works come out, you know, sooner rather than later as well. Is there an overall theme for that anthology? What is it? I wrote down uh, Dark Academia. So yes. All dark kind of magic and what is academia exactly? Is it just sort of like learning, the higher learning and like spell schools and weird stuff like that so the way we kind of approached it is kind of like the history of um inequity and injustice when it comes to higher education systems so it's like more okay. so about stories about um you know the unfairness of like student loans or like the way um some institutions might favor some people with like a higher status compared to others and things like that rather than just like the dark academia aesthetic of like magic okay. schools and the whole you know um mm -hmm. outfits and stuff like that yeah how many stories are in there? Do you know off the top of your head? 19. No, 20. Yeah, 19 or 20. <laughs> that's a good that's a good size anthology. That's a, yeah. Is that the first time you've done something like that? Editing an anthology? Right. Yeah. yeah, so this is my first edited anthology. It was like a story, like, a, not a story, sorry. An idea, I forgot, I was like talking about it. And then my co-editor, um, Christy Nogo reached out and then she was like oh like you had this idea and do you want to like do something together with it so like we actually started talking about um, this idea since December of 2021 oh, dang. <laughs> so it's been yeah yeah and then it finally came to be like into fruition yeah I read uh, Beulah by Christy Nogo right ah, yeah yeah Christy is great yeah that's pretty cool so was this a completely different experience than working on your own stuff by yourself? Um, yes and no, because I've like edited it for magazines or like served as a reader for it. So it was kind of similar in a sense. But this time you would like you have a more of an editing role like or like a touch on the stories compared mm -hmm. to um, with magazines where it might just be kind of like the EIC who does like most of the editing, whereas you mostly just pick stories that's been passed on to you and things like that. Cool. So you're, you're super busy all the time now. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like when I keep busy, it is a lot better for me in a sense, like of like time management because I, 
like use my time more wisely than when I have too much free time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I might be wrong, but uh, Linguin, that's like your first longer piece, right? Because mostly before you did like poems and short stories. Yeah. So it was really funny because I think that's one of the reasons why it ended up as three points of views as well, because I'm so used to writing short things. It mm-hmm. is very difficult for me to write like a long thing and only one perspective the whole way through. Though mm-hmm. my next novella, Unannounced Thing, is <laughs> one perspective <laughs> all way through, the whole way through. <laughs> but I come but, from school that there are no rules. Just do it the way you want to do it because it's yes. your piece of writing. So. So are you are you liking working on these longer pieces now as opposed to doing the short stuff or you still like the short stories and, and poems and stuff? I like short stories and poems for very experimental things that are hard to stretch into very long pieces. But mm-hmm. then I like the long form in the sense that like a lot of comments I get about my short story sometimes is that it needs to be longer. Wish, wish it was longer. I wish that I am. I was longer, but. It was. I like the story, but I was like, I want more in that world because I like that world so much. <laughs> I feel like with I am I and Link when both, a lot of the comments I get are, "I need this to be longer," <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm working on it. But um, <laughs> but you but don't want to do start like... making it longer, which is putting in filler stuff, though. So you yeah, know. no, yeah. no, no. So again, there are no rules. Make it the way you want to make it. You know. So yeah, I like. I always hear about you know with publishing how people talk about there are like book length standards for different genres right and i'm just like i like with the way i write i don't think i can hit those at all because they will say something like 80 to 100k for sci-fi and then like 100 to 120 for fantasy and then a bit Mm -hmm. lower for horror right like maybe around (laughs) 70 80 i don't know i don't know what it is now it's been fluctuating um but the novel i just finished the one i added 20k to it is science fantasy so theoretically it should be like 80k but it like in its first iteration it is 45,000 words and I was like Mm -hmm. I don't think I can go past 80 at all or like near it even after expansion and that's just how it's gonna be because because I think the readers could tell when oh I've added in 30,000 words of just fluff just because Mm -hmm. I needed to hit the word count instead of Mm -hmm. it being slim and trim and you know to the point of what you wanted it to be readers can tell that yeah for sure and i feel like with like the whole paper situation right now people have been wanting shorter (laughs) things anyways i feel like the for uh fantasy if it's not a thousand page brick then you're just not making a fantasy (laughs) novel that's basically like every all the really popular like brandon sanderson and george r R. martin all these they're these huge huge books i'll pass (laughs) you'll pass jay doesn't like jay doesn't like fantasy (laughs) no what though i i always like to say to be the trend rather than follow the trend. So I will right. come out with like 60,000 epic fantasy books that people will pick up as like a It'd intro be one, into It's going to be like the first the first fantasy book that actually gets wrapped up into one book. <laughs> not a 15 page 15 different episodes of it. And Yeah, not only are they a thousand pages, but there's 10 in the series. <laughs> right. We don't need 16 books in the series. It's going to be the first fantasy book that's that's 100 pages and, and it's all wrapped up. <laughs> I's going to be a trendsetter. One and done. She's, she's yeah. the leader, not the follower. Yes. <laughs> all right. It, we we got to like... get, we, we get you out of here so you get some sleep. We, we got so to. There's a lot of your work, people to look forward to. Lingwin's out. Special edition coming out in October. I am. I just came out recently. Got your anthology coming out. Wilted Pages. Your novel, you just 
procrastinate and finish at the last second coming out sometime <laughs> soon next year or so year after that a lot yes. of stuff to look forward to and unannounced things that unannounced. hopefully is forthcoming thank you so much for uh, hanging out with uh, two goofballs here with, with all of our mistakes we can never take three weeks off again Brad by the way it's okay we'll just cut that out and post <laughs> <laughs> But we don't no, do we that. Won't. Read my we don't essay. Do that. We don't do that. Read my essay in sirens. We don't do that. So what you, what you <laughs> see is what you get. I thank so much for uh, hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Stop by and uh, hey, two times now you've been on the show. A lot of people have not been on the show for two times. So <laughs> we appreciate that you wanted to come we'll back. <laughs> we'll see if maybe it eventually turns into a third time or if she like ghosts yeah. us. And... Oh, yeah. No, you never. <laughs> Go to your profile. Right. You've been blocked. No, I'm sure. During the show, she's, tech, she's texting some people like, why did you tell me to go on the show again? During <laughs> no, the show. no. <laughs> well, thank you. A lot of stuff so to much. look for for uh, I that's out there. Uh, and yeah. Check it out. Let us know what you think about it. That's going to do it. That's a wrap. She's got. She's going to go crash right now. <laughs> no, um, I just want to right. thank you both again so much for having me and for like having such nice things to say about my works because I feel like they that's the, the best thing a writer can hear. You know, is someone that like that people resonated and liked their work. Yeah, they're both. Thanks. <laughs> I am I and Lingwen were completely different, but they were both very enjoyable. I enjoyed both of them. It, it really shows for that, different you, reasons too. Yeah, it really shows your like your span of your, writing, like your you, you your, do, your range. Yeah, you know, your range. You're not just a one trick pony. You could do this, this, and this. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank right. you. I think that's so, gonna be a wrap, great. everyone. Appreciate you spending your night with us. Thank you for Get some sleep. In. Eat. Go eat something. Yeah. <laughs> I go, ate something go. before I came, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she's gonna sleep until Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Till next time, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Right, have a good night. See ya. Jay, I love you, now. man. I know you do. I'm glad you got to see me. <laughs>